Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Happy Thanksgiving, Chiefs Kingdom. On today's episode, we take a look back at the thrilling victory over the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night. Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, and myself break down the upcoming matchup against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor, Charles Goldman. What was your biggest takeaway from the Chiefs' thrilling victory over the Raiders? Well, first of all, happy Thanksgiving to you, Ed, and happy Thanksgiving to our listeners as well. Thank you guys for for spending some of your Thanksgiving listening. We appreciate you. Um, I think that the Chiefs fans, I guess, we sort of underestimate the Raiders a bit, mainly because of the past, all right? Because we... Let's be real here. We have dominated this rivalry since Andy Reid arrived in Kansas City. But looking at this team, I mean, I don't know how you can come away with anything other than that is a really good offense this year. Uh, There's two games, week five, week 11, um, really just they they kind of proved to us that these guys, they've they've got some guys, they've got some mismatches. Uh, in the passing game, they've got some some good pieces on that offense, and uh, it, it's beginning to come together for them. Do they have the Patrick Mahomes-esque type of guy at quarterback? No. But Derek Carr has proven that, that he can get it done. He's proven that he can be kind of that Alex Smith-type game manager-y quarterback and, 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 you know, come up with a couple explosive plays here and there, but also, uh, you know get his guys the ball and let them do their their work so i mean they've got mismatches at receiver with rugs and Aguilar. i mean even uh the the slot fellow there uh he he's he's a pretty good player too he's proved proven to be a good player then at tight end darren waller i mean the chiefs didn't have anyone who could keep up with him and or tackle him he's just a complete uh athletic physical mismatch at that position and, you know, he's right up there with the George Kittles and the Travis Kelseys in terms of receiving ability. So I, I think that's, you know, something that, that we've kind of seen these past couple of games. And then their offensive line, one of the best in football right now, and they should be with all the money that they have locked up there. But um, their defense, it's still it's still not really good. It's still not really good. But I think we, we've learned that this is an ascendant team. This is not the Raiders of old. And Kansas City should be very concerned about a potential third rematch coming up um, in the playoffs. So you you got to hope that you can find some way to get that number one seed to, to avoid that or that the Raiders will stumble at some point. Or uh, even if they don't stumble, they keep winning games and, you know, they move up to, you know, from, from whatever seed they're at right now. And you know, if the playoffs ended today, we'd be facing them. But... It, you know, in a couple weeks now, maybe maybe that's different. But uh, the number one seed obviously would be crucial and helpful to avoid that. But unfortunately for Kansas City, you gotta hope that that Pittsburgh stumbles along the way for that to really come into play. So we'll we'll just see. But I I just I, I think the biggest uh, takeaway is that the Raiders are are kind of a, a, a team on the come up. What do you believe makes Patrick Mahomes so calm and efficient late in games? Well, I mean, first of all, we know that he has the it factor already, and that that has something to do with it, you know, that special quarterback type of thing that that he's got going on. But I I think the biggest thing is probably trust. He trusts that the coaching staff's going to get him the right play calls so that he can go out there and make plays. He trusts that his guys will do everything in their power to be able to make a play for him. And I also think maybe there's something to be said about the rhythm and the pace of a two-minute offense because it's not it, it, it's not a stop and start as what you're getting in, in, in like a normal game. You don't have the commercial breaks. You don't have, you know, this, that, and the other thing that are kind of slowing the game down. And if you can get into that two-minute offense, avoid penalties, it, it gets the juices flowing. It gets some of these guys who play the quarterback position and some of these offenses really firing on all cylinders. Um, so I think there's something to be said about pace. 
And, and then I think trust again, trust is just the number one thing that this team just has the ultimate faith and trust in each other. And you see like even the defense on the sidelines, how engaged they are and what's going on and how they're rooting for their teammates and how they're kind of looking at things and trying to communicate with the coaching staff as well. I, I don't think that happens with every NFL team. I feel like it's something that, that the chiefs are really blessed to have. And, you know, it's just part of the special thing that they're building. What has led to the possible career high seasons from both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey? Well, obviously they're both great, great players. I, I think, and I'm not sure that this is a hot take or anything. Maybe it is. Maybe it is like outside of Chiefs Kingdom. But we're going to see both of these guys in the Hall, Pro Football Hall of Fame one day. Not just the Chiefs Hall of Fame, but the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, Kelsey probably before Hill, but they've got those types of, of numbers and careers so far that, that scream Hall of Fame. I mean, you look at what Tyreek Hill has done in terms of, of speed and being a mismatch and all of that. Um, that's just, it, it's really, really, really impressive. I mean, he's kind of changed the way that the NFL has looked at receivers with speed. You know, beforehand, it was kind of like a gimmicky thing. But now, you know, um, they're they're looking for guys who can play and be like Tyreek Hill. So when you have a guy like that, I think even if maybe his numbers year to year aren't like, oh, he's the best receiver in football, I, I still think that that type of impact can't be overlooked in terms of the Hall of Fame. Uh, as far as what is specifically leading to the career type years for both players, I think some of it has to go to Mahomes. He's taking a big step forward in terms of his maturity as a, a quarterback. Um, and and he's not always looking for the big, flashy, improvised play anymore. He's okay with putting his guys in a position to make plays. He doesn't have to be the guy who's making the crazy play. He can get the ball to Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill, let him you know, put a few moves on a guy, and hey, maybe they'll pick up 12 yards or maybe they'll pick up 25. Maybe they'll pick up 30. But... He's not he's not concerned about going for the big shot play as much as maybe he was in 2018, um, even last year. So that that has something to do with it. Um, additionally, I, I feel like the presence of Clyde Edwards Elaire has helped to to open up some things uh, in the passing game. Wasn't necessarily the case with Damian Williams uh, in the past. He wasn't the same type of like game plan threat that that opponents kind of have to go for and uh, and plan for, but you know I think you, you you look at the greatness of the players, you look at what Mahomes is doing, and, and then you look at just the the different weapons that the Chiefs have around that aren't Kelsey and Hill. It, it just kind of opens up things for those players because forces teams to play a little bit more one on one in terms of coverage. Um, they can't really double guys and take guys away as much as they could, um, maybe in the past. Should the Chiefs secondary feel relieved facing Tom Brady with his recent long ball struggles? Yeah, I think I, I read somewhere that he was like 0-19 uh, and 20-yard passes or something like that in, in the last couple of games. I, I, I don't think you should ever feel relieved when you're facing the GOAT at quarterback, though. I mean, sure, Tom Brady hasn't been the best version of himself this season, but he's still capable of carving carving up this defense, especially if they put up a performance like they did this past week against the Raiders. So I think that there's something to be said about that performance last week. It really felt to me like the defense was intentionally playing over top with the goal of ensuring that they didn't get beat on the long ball as they did back in week five against the Raiders. They had... I believe it was five uh, catches or five plays over uh, over 44 yards. So they, they didn't want to get beat like that this week. And I think that that showed in, in kind of what they were doing. The longest pass surrendered was 20, 29 yards in week 11. So, of course, when you play like that, you're going to leave open a lot of the easy and quick passes. And that's going to lead to a lot of completions and to uh, – you know, some, some success on part of the offense, but, um, 
you know, I think that was a goal coming into it. I think Spags even said it beforehand. We don't want to get beat deep. So um, I, I think, you know, this week they're going to have maybe a different game plan against Brady. I, I think, you know, going back to Brady and the Bucks, I think we're going to see a lot more pressure this week than we did last week. And keep in mind, the Chiefs actually had five games this season where they had fewer pressures than they had last week. They were getting pressure on Carr, but he was still able to get the ball off um, and and get it to his guys anyways. And I think some of that had to do with like the softer coverage they were playing. Now, the offensive line for the Buccaneers, I think that's where the Chiefs can really kind of get after this game. I think that's the big weakness of this team. So I think that, that Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Alex Okafor and Tano Passanio and all those guys, I, I think they should find some success. But also, I think we all know, we've seen it in the past, how Brady just kind of crumbles when he's under constant pressure. So I think you do have to kind of find a way to get after him a little bit more so than you had this past week. And, and I think they're going to be able to because, as I said, I think think that offensive line's a bit suspect. They, they have their, their uh, left tackle, Donovan Smith, had an ankle injury that he kind of gutted through this past game, and he kind of just seemed to get worse and worse as the game went on with that injury. So I don't know how he's going to be doing or feeling or, or what he's going to be looking like this week. Um, but I still think even if he was 100% healthy that, that we're going to have some mismatches on this, uh, on this offensive line that we can take advantage of. And uh, I think you'll see that from the Chiefs come, come Sunday. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, so uh, as always, ton of great stuff uh, on Chiefs Wire this week, not to toot our own horn or anything. Um, we'll be a little bit lighter on the content later this week because of the holiday. Um, today, you'll see just a quick way too early 2021 mock draft. I think that I'm going to make that like our new tradition. I think our first mock draft of the season is going to start coming out on Thanksgiving from now on. I figured that'd be just some fun, easily consumed content for everyone on the holiday. Um, and I'm going to try to I try to focus in on some guys that I hadn't already covered for our prospect series. So I, I hope you guys enjoy that, learning about some new players. Obviously, we have plenty of content recapping the Week 11 win over the Raiders. Our uh, AFC playoff picture article is going to be kind of a weekly staple this time of year coming after every game. Um, another popular one has been uh, uh, this short film review that I did at Willie Gay and sh- kind of showcasing his best snaps um, against the Raiders. He needs to, to be on the field more. He's continuing to show and prove that he's ready for more snaps. And, uh, you know, as, as always, we, we appreciate you guys visiting the website. And uh, thank you so much for, for spending some time with us on your holiday. Go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back. It's that time again. It's time for the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. I got Mitch Carney. I got Talon Graff. Guys, we're coming off another huge win, a thrilling win on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders. Not much better than that, right? I mean, let's be honest. You're going against a division rival, sort of a revenge game, and uh, Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes towards the end of the game. I just want to get you, you both of you guys' initial feedback from just everything that happened that night and then just the crazy fourth quarter. I mean, let's be honest. That – that entire period was insane. Uh, Mitch, I want to get your thoughts on it first. Yeah, first I want to give a shout-out I mean, to the Raiders. This is this was the second time I thought the Chiefs were going to win, win big over the Raiders, and uh, you know, I've been proven wrong twice now. Uh, the Raiders really came to play the second time, and the Raiders looked like a legit team. They looked like they could be a wild-card team. So it's a really good win for the Chiefs. It's a playoff team. It's a playoff win if you want to look at it like that. Um, but so I'm really impressed with how the Raiders came out to play. And I'm really impressed that the Chiefs were able to kind of, you know, keep their heads up, you know, and, uh, you know, not be caught off guard by the Raiders. And, you know, they came out and they had a really big fourth quarter. Patrick Mahomes did his thing on that final drive. And it was just a really great game, really great game overall. 
Yeah, uh, I'm just really, really happy that Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback for the Chiefs. <laughs> um, the guy's just outstanding week in and week out, and he proved again why you just can never count the Chiefs out. So, um, and thrilled to death with uh, Travis Kelsey and, and, of course, Terry Hill. I mean, you know, I remember that 3 offense that was explosive, you know, with Priest Holmes and stuff, but everything was a running game and then Tony Gonzalez and but this offense, man, this is just like nothing that any Chiefs fan has ever witnessed and really a lot of football fans. This is just – I think seeing it week in, week out, we, we're probably already used to it. So, But, I mean, the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the NFL, and they are, they're going to be for a very long time. Like this is – it's kind of surreal. It definitely is surreal, just the way in which they go about their business. I mean, you're talking about consistently every week, a guy like Travis Kelsey, who could honestly, I I, I brought this up maybe like two or three weeks ago, but he should arguably be uh, amongst the contenders for MVP. Uh, It's just, you know, for a tight end to do what he's doing week in and week out, I just feel like he needs that type of attention and deserves that type of respect. I understand a tight end has never won the award, but – Man, you got to give some consideration for Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Hill's been amazing. He already has 10 touchdowns this season. Uh, it's just – it's all over in terms of what this team brings. But I, I just want to go back to the last two possessions. Obviously, the Raiders getting the ball and um, moving down the field. There's a bunch of penalties that happened on defense, and, and most notably Bashad Breeland, uh, two very costly penalties that kept the drive going. Um, Talon, I want to start with you. What are your thoughts with Breland? Are you disappointed in regards to how he's handling coverage? Because he's been getting beat pretty bad the uh, last couple of weeks. Well, yeah. I mean, look, defensive back is probably the hardest position to play in football right now. It's how many of the rules are to protect, you know, the unprotected player and targeting and, and all that stuff and, and, and the you know, legal contact penalties. Defensive back is not an easy position to play. And I'm, I'm in no way trying to make excuses for these guys, but I mean, it is what it is. That's why you see so many teams putting up a lot of points and, and, you know, this season and stuff like this is it's hard to play defense. Um, you know, having said that, yeah, there Breland is expected or was expected to be like that number one guy, because there's a lot of young guys in the defensive back group uh, cornerback group, I should specify, not really safety, but um, so yeah, so I think he needs to do a better job of kind of stepping up and really kind of leading by example. But you know, it, it, it's 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 tough when he had to set out four games, and um, you know, he he's dealt with a little bit of adversity, and there's so many expectations for this team, so it, it's bound to weigh on some guys, whether or not you know it, the first time the Raiders played them, that that kind of got on Breland's mind, you know on a deeper level, I'm not sure. But, you know, I I think we just got to get through this season because the defense is a good unit. And I think, you know, this was just the Raiders team that kind of have their number. Yeah, uh, I can't disagree with anything there. Um, you know, if you just look at our cornerback group, we just don't have a ton of investment there. I know we have Freelands on a decent-sized contract, but I don't think it's anything huge. It's nothing to, like, you know, really boast about. He's still looking to get paid. Um, and until the Chiefs draft a cornerback in the first couple rounds or even pay a free agent cornerback, you know, top tier money to come in and be our number one guy, this is what's going to happen. Teams are going to take advantage of our cornerback group just because they just, they're not that elite talent that we see across the league. They're not the Patrick Peterson. They're not the Jalen Ramsey. They are good players and, and they do get their job done and they may have, you know, some flashy, some flashy games where they look really good, but, you know, consistently game in and game out, they're just not top tier cornerbacks and you can tell with this with how much the Chiefs pay them that they're not um but you know so teams are going to take advantage of it especially if our pass rush isn't getting there like it was against the Raiders it's going to give Derek Carr and other quarterbacks time to you know for their receivers to get down the field for them to make plays but until we you know draft a cornerback in the top couple rounds or get a free agent cornerback that's you know amongst the elite it's going to happen and, you know, just a, a note, obviously, just signing of uh, DeAndre Baker in regards to what he could bring as a, a possible, I'm not going to say replacement, but just some added help at, at the cornerback position. Because it is something to be noticed. I mean, uh, you look at the end of that game, obviously, there was the, uh, the different offsides penalties, uh, Chris Jones trying to get a, a jump on the snap. And uh, it, was, uh, it was just a very scary situation heading towards the end of the game. 
being under two minutes, being down, and uh, Patrick Mahomes just uh, doing that whole – I don't know if you could call it miracles anymore. It's just more – it's more Mahomes magic. That's his thing right now. Um, just going – like I said, just finishing up with that last drive. Were you guys surprised by the way the Raiders were playing on defense? It, it just seemed like they left a lot of holes underneath. And, and for a team that was trying to avoid possibly a field goal to tie, it, it, was, a, it was a very odd strategy. I don't know if you guys noticed that at all, Mitch. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the way the Raiders were playing uh, defensively in that last drive. I think it's just hard to defend the Chiefs in general. Um, I think the Chiefs had a plan. They knew what they were going to run. I mean – it seemed like the Chiefs defense was on the field forever during that drive whenever the Raiders came down and scored that no-ahead touchdown. So I think the Chiefs just kind of had a plan. They knew what they were going to do. And Mahomes just saw a few opportunities, and he took it, and things worked out. I I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I just think the Raiders just – the Raiders defense just isn't good as the Chiefs offense, and the Chiefs to have Patrick Mahomes, and he just gets the job done. Yeah, it was just, I think it was more execution from the Chiefs' offense rather than anything negative from the Raiders' defense. Other than it, that, that, Mitch kind of alluded to was that the lack of talent to to be able to stop Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense in a two two minute drill like that. So, yeah, I think it's you just got to chalk it up to uh, Chiefs have more horses and they're probably a little bit better coached and um, in terms of you know offensive firepower and, and a two minute quickly get down the field situation. That Chiefs offense is almost unstoppable. Definitely agree with that. And, you know, obviously when you go off a, a big win, going to a nine and one and having all the momentum and still being on the road, you know, that's, that's, that's the key. I understand there's no fans, but just a, a road win like that is, uh, is such a big deal on the road against the team that the only team that's beaten you this season and have to follow up and play a game against the Bucks in Tampa. And I don't know if a lot of you guys saw what well, you guys saw the Monday night game and the way Tom Brady was playing this kind of, it leaves a, 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 honestly a very interesting question. When you look at the bucks, yes, they have the great wide receivers. They have, they have the weapons on defense, but it, it could arguably be said that their weakest point right now could be at quarterback in regards to the deep ball, which has been the biggest nemesis for the chiefs all season. How do you guys like this matchup with Tom Brady you know, obviously not the same Tom Brady that we're used to in New England and this Bucks offense against this Chiefs defense, knowing that he's been struggling going down the field. Talon, we'll start with you. No, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, Tom Brady and the offense, the aren't really that scary. They're going to be efficient and they're going to, you know, put drives together because of how well they're coached and because of who the quarterback is. And, and they do have a, um, you know, a solid offensive lineup. What scares me about the Buccaneers is the defense. That defense is one of the best in the league, uh, and the Chiefs have kind of struggled against really good defenses um, in terms of, you know, the Chargers game, the Raiders have given them – when I say – God, I'm, I'm talking about struggling against defense. The Chiefs are averaging like over 30 points a game. So it's tough to really say they've been struggling against good defenses, but I guess in a roundabout way, the, the Buccaneers' defense does scare I me, and I think they pose a big threat to that Chiefs' offense, and that's – they have to have a good game plan to, to defeat that defense. Yeah, um, whenever you talk about the Bucks' offense, you have to mention Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Uh, they have Gronk now. They have a lot of weapons. So I'm kind of worried that our defensive backs, especially our cornerbacks, aren't going to be able to keep up. Um, I can see Mike Evans having a really big game and just outburning Brashad Breland and Charvarius Ward. Um, so it'll be interesting, interesting to see if they're able to keep up with him, if they're able to stop him. Um, I know Brady's deep ball isn't really coming, coming around very well, but, you know, when you have those – those high level receivers, you know, uh, you just got to get the ball up to him and, you know, magic can happen sometimes. So um, this could, I could see this being a little bit of a high scoring game. I know the Bucks offense struggled last week, but um, I mean, they have the talent to do some things and the Chiefs defense hasn't been playing very well and they haven't been, haven't been getting to the quarterback. So um, anything can happen. And I think that the uh, Bucks offense is going to have some success this weekend. It will be an interesting matchup. And, I'm just curious to see how Steve Spagnuolo is going to play the defense. Will there be more emphasis on blitzing and just rushing Brady as much as possible? Because that seems like what worked with the Rams on uh, Monday night. It's uh, it, Like I said, it's a different type of Tom Brady. It's a different type of uh, offense. But I, I can see the Chiefs really on defense stepping up 
and make it some plays because they're there to be made. And um, it, it should be an interesting matchup. But when we go into this type of game, who do you feel like is the X factor on the Chiefs side? Like who is the guy that's going to make the biggest difference going forward? It could be somebody on offense or defense. And uh, Mitch, I'm going to start with you. For just this game or for the rest of the season? I'm sorry, I kind of missed that. Oh, just for this game. Um, if Sammy Watkins is available, if he's ready to play, I could really see him making a big impact. We know that when Sammy, Sammy Watkins is in the offense, it takes his offense to another level. They're so much better. I mean, we saw it uh, whenever he went out against the Raiders. Like, our offense just went down a bit, you know, and I think we slowly kind of made our back way you know, to being where we were whenever he left. But whenever he's in, it just gives Mahomes another weapon. It gives him another consistent option to throw to besides uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So if he's ready to go, he can make a really big difference for not only against the Bucks, but for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, Traverius Ward on the defensive side of the ball because if he if we can rely on one of our defensive backs to, to, to kind of shut down one of their best receivers one-on-one, then you can game plan for the other ones with, with extra help, zone coverage, and stuff like that. But if we can rely on one solid cornerback to, to kind of shut one of them down all day, take one away, um, that's huge defensively and huge game plan scheme-wise. So I'm going to say Traverius Ward needs to play the game of his career against the Buccaneers and really help this defense out um, by locking up one of their best receivers, whoever that may be. Yeah, it would actually be um, pretty interesting to see who Ward would be on. Would it, would it be Evans? I think, you know, Mike Evans is their top gun. Uh, Godwin's been good. You also have to keep into account that Antonio Brown has gotten a lot more comfortable in the offense. And we always – it seems like because he isn't the same type of player coming out of retirement, Gronkowski is still a threat. You know, he's still a threat. He may not have the same um, fear that he's put in most teams in past seasons, but – Gronkowski is still a guy that can make plays and he should be accounted for. But in regards to uh, X factors, and this is a guy that I've been personally been getting on because I haven't seen anything from the first couple of weeks with the team, Le'Veon Bell, who played, I gotta be honest, he played well against the uh, Raiders. Uh, That drive to initially take the go ahead score in the fourth quarter. He did a great job leading the team down the field. I want to see more out of him in this game. You know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But I want to see Le'Veon Bell really become that that extra X factor, that extra, uh, that extra like, you know, bullet in the gut. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it because you want that extra punch going into the playoffs. And a guy like Le'Veon Bell who, you know, he has the experience. He's a guy that's that's been around for a while. He's an all-pro. I want to see him be a little bit more dominating now that he's learned the offense over the co- uh, last couple of weeks and from the game he had this past Sunday. So I, I would love to see Le'Veon Bell really step it up against this Buccaneers defense, who – and let's, let's keep in mind, the Buccaneers are in a must-win situation as they battle for a division title. So this game is, uh, is huge for them, and it's a home game for them. So, and they're going to have fans. So it's different things like that that when I see this game, I say this should be a fun matchup. And another fun matchup in it will be the coaching matchup. Uh, Bruce Arians has always been known as a quarterback whisperer and all these different things on offense. And he's going against Andy Reid, who we all know Andy Reid is Andy Reid. How do you guys feel about this matchup with Arians and Reid? And uh, Mitch, I want to start with you. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I'm going to give Reid the advantage, though. He's just had so much success these last couple of years with the Chiefs. Um, and, you know, he's 9-1 and one right now. It looks like he's coaching some of his best football, especially on offense. Uh, Arians is still a really great, a great coach, but just from what I've seen so far, it looks like that their team's just not quite there. There's some confusion going on with Brady and him and the rest of the offense. So I think that is, it is going to be an interesting matchup, but I got to give the advantage to Andy Reid just because he's had so much success this, this season and the last couple seasons. Yeah, Bruce Arians is a guy that I respect a lot. I, I like what he's done and every everywhere he's been, um, you know, from Indianapolis to the Arizona now Tampa Bay and and all that stuff. But yeah, I think this is going to be a good matchup. You know, a, a challenging matchup. Bruce Arians has a great offensive mind, and he he kind of always knows how to get the best out of his players. Um, but yeah, I'm with Mitch. So you got to give the edge to Andy Reid. Uh, there's there's really not much better than Andy Reid right now in the NFL. 
This is very true. But uh, one thing that Andy Reid's going to have to do that he hasn't been able to do this season, I don't know if you guys heard of the new rule in regards to the sidelines and um, wearing masks. He can no longer wear his face shield. His, his world-famous face shield is, uh, is banned for, from here on out as everybody's required to wear masks, even the players while they're on the sidelines. Uh, it's, it, it should be interesting to see how um, what, what Andy does because I, I, I'm feeling like he kept going with the shield even though people were making fun of him because he's not comfortable wearing a mask. So uh, we'll see how that goes. That, that's just a minor thing to look out for. But um, like I said, this, this is an uh, interesting matchup. And then I'm, I'm looking now at the way the AFC is shaping out you have the Steelers who are still undefeated. They will currently still hold the number one seed. And remember this year, the number one seed is the only seed that gets a bye. So even if the Chiefs finish with a top two, it isn't going to be like last season having that extra week off. How important is it right now for this team to start thinking about they got to win out in order to, you know, have that home field advantage and, of course, that bye, you know, Talon, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think of what you what what you do here, and probably what the Chiefs are thinking is just one game at a time. Um, you know, if, if you start thinking too far ahead, you you start tripping over yourself, and that's when that's when mistakes happen. So they're looking at the Buccaneers this week, and they're they have no uh, focus on the Steelers. They have no focus on the number one seed. The goal is to make the playoffs and win the division. So I think that's that's the mindset right now. So as long as they take care of each opponent one week at a time, then everything will just take care of itself. Yeah, I totally agree with Tylen. Um, but, you know, that number one seed is going to be super important. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is if, is Pittsburgh kind of lose because if they get past Baltimore this week, the rest of their schedule is looking really good. You can really see, see them going undefeated. So the Chiefs just need to make sure that they play their best game every week and just hope that, you know, that, ball, that, um, that Pittsburgh loses a game or two. That way they get the first seed. But um, the way it's looking like, it looks like that they're just going to have to settle for the number two, which is still good. They'll have home field advantage throughout the most of the playoffs, but you know, it's not really in their control right now until Pittsburgh lose. To be honest, and this is once again, just my opinion. I want to put that out there. I do believe the chiefs are a better team than the Steelers because if you know, everyone's seen the way the schedule has been set up, the Steelers had to go against the NFC East this year. And if anybody's been living under a rock, you know, the NFC East is, is horrible. It's a horrible division. So you got to take into account four wins coming from the NFC East. It does change the way you kind of look at the team, especially if we're talking about a Steelers team that has a great defense. The offense has its moments of being explosive, whatever Roethlisberger is right. I'm curious, and I think we're all kind of, you know, hoping to see this, uh, a Steelers-Chiefs matchup in an AFC title game. And once again, I'm telling, I'm taking your advice. I'm not looking too far ahead here. Just you got to win one week at a time. But you, you can't help but think about it. And that's why the Chiefs, I, I believe, on so many boards, whether it's USA Today's uh, power rankings or different power rankings around the country, they still have the Chiefs as the number one team in football. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you just have to always wonder. But you got to play your teams on your schedule, and we'll see what happens from here on out. But, uh, guys, I, I do want your opinion on this because we are dealing with uh, weird times with COVID and, and all the different games, whether they, they were postponed or, or changes. And, and now we're talking about a game this Thursday, like you said, with the Steelers and Ravens, where the Ravens are going to be minus three key players because of COVID. I'm just curious as to what you guys think will happen heading into the postseason because there's been discussions about possibly doing a bubble for the postseason. I'm just curious what you guys think about that, especially for a team like the Chiefs that relies so much on the home crowd and the home energy of Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, Talon, I'm going to get your thoughts first. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really think it matters whatever they do as long as it's safe and, and keeps all the, you know, keeps the playoffs intact without, you know, risking the integrity or the safety of, of, of the teams and the people involved. But, um, you know, in terms of – you know, the home crowd advantage and, and how important that is to certain teams. And, and absolutely, I agree with you. But with 2020, you know, these guys have been kind of throughout the, the year getting used to no matter where they are, there's either no fans or, or a sprinkling of fans. So I think by the time the playoffs get around, no matter what, you know, the setup is, I think teams are just used to it by then. So it's really not going to have, you know, one advantage over the other, depending on where they're playing. 
in my opinion. I just I, I think by then they're just going to be used to it. Yeah, I think the bubble won't affect you know the Chiefs per se, just because I know they've had fans at the home games, but. Um, it's not as much as what they're used to in the past. And, you know, they they just played in Las Vegas last week. They didn't have any fans. So uh, this will be pumping in crowd noise, I'm assuming. So I don't think there's going to be too much of a difference. But just speaking about a bubble in general, I think that would be kind of interesting. Um, I kind of thought it was cool when the NBA did it. Of course, I don't want it to be done every season. But it's kind of a cool experiment to see. Uh, you know, it's something we'll, we'll probably never see again, or hopefully we never see again. So I think it'd be kind of fun to see a bubble to see how that all works out. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to affect the Chiefs too much. Yeah, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, it's gained a lot more traction because there has been a, a spike in all the different cases. And you start looking at the way the NFL designed the schedule, they added an extra week as sort of like a fallback week for the Super Bowl and being able to push everything back if necessary. So if they have to make the adjustment of putting everything in a bubble for the playoffs, it's, it's crazy. Like you, like you said, Talon, it's 2020. Anything can happen right now. And um, you just hope the best teams, you know, which usually happens like we saw in baseball, which we saw in the NBA, the best teams still find, a, find ways to win. They don't necessarily need the home field, home court advantage. They find ways to win. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs, this could be a thing. So that's something to keep on the radar moving forward. So now it's time, guys. We got to make our picks. We got to say, you know, the score and everything. I can't remember how close I was, but I felt like I was pretty close with the score this past week. Uh, maybe it was off by uh, probably a couple of points for the, uh, for the Chiefs. But I felt pretty close about it. But this week, uh, I'm curious to see what you guys are, are thinking with it. Mitch, what are your thoughts? Who wins and what is the uh, final score? So I think our offense is playing at a really high level right now. And I think that's going to continue, even though Tampa Bay has a really good defense. Um, I think the Chiefs are just playing very, very well, even though we don't have, we're probably not going to have Mitchell Schwartz. Well, we're not going to have him because he's on the injured reserve. But I think the Chiefs will find a way to get it done on offense. So I have a high scoring game. I got the Chiefs winning 30 to 20, 23. Um, I have the money by a touchdown. Um, I think Tom Brady's going to throw a couple of interceptions. I, he's been struggling the last few weeks. Um, I do think they'll get some things done just because I don't think the Chiefs defense is necessarily playing well, but I do think Tom Brady's is playing a little worse. So I got the Chiefs winning 30 to 23. Yeah, I think this is going to be a good game. Um, probably see a lot of points. We usually do. Uh, when, when there's a close game involving the Chiefs. So um, I'm going to give the Chiefs the edge, though. I, I think the Buccaneers' offensive line is kind of limping in, but you know maybe those guys are going to be a go, which would be huge for the offense of the Buccaneers. But um, I, I do think that both offenses are going to be able to to attack weaknesses of, of the other's defense, and it's just going to be who can make the stop when it matters, who's going to make that key uh, late-game third quarter uh, – third down stop, whatever defense does that will win the game. Um, but I'm going to give the edge to the Chiefs, and I'm going to go uh, 31-27 final. I think we're all kind of in the, same, in the same bracket in regards to where this game will kind of end up. I have the Chiefs winning as well, and I have it going 38-31. I know it's sort of an odd score, but at this point, I feel like there's no such thing as an odd score with a Chiefs game. It's, it, both teams can score. I still feel like Tom Brady, whether he could throw a long ball or not, will still find ways to score. And, you know, he's, he's pouting and everything and being very extra at the losses because he's not used to losing. Um, I can't see him losing back-to-back games. Well, I can see him losing back-to-back games, but I can't see him going down quietly, if that's a better way to say it. He'll have a better performance. Um, it's going to be up to the Chiefs' defense to be able just to hold, just hold his team down. And it's going to be a fun game. It'll definitely be something that – I think it'll be a challenge for the Chiefs um, defensive backs. And we were just talking about Javarius Ward, uh, Bashad Breeland. It'll be a great test to see where they're at because they're going against elite wide receivers and, you know, probably quite arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Which leads now to my last question. And, I, and I want, I want, I'm curious as to the way you guys see this, but because it's Patrick Mahomes, because it's Tom Brady, these guys have played each other a couple of times, obviously with the matchups with the Patriots. But do you feel like at this pace right now, the where, where Mahomes is compared to where Brady, you know, started, 
and once again, we're just projecting that Mahomes can eventually be the next Brady or even win more titles than Brady, considering where they are at their careers at the same time. Um, Mitch, I want to get your opinion on this. Do you feel like Mahomes can surpass Brady in maybe even less time in his career, maybe even less than 20 years? What are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, it's possible. The way that Mahomes is going right now, I mean, he's already, you know, if things keep going the way they're going this year, he's probably going to win his second MVP. Um, he's on his way to winning his second championship. If if he keeps this pace up, yeah, he can surpass him pretty quick. And, you know, he, he can be considered the greatest of all time. But it's going to be extremely hard to keep this up. It's hard to win any Super Bowl. It's going to be hard to win six. Or it's going to be hard to win seven if he wants to surpass him. It's going to be extremely hard, but I think it's definitely possible the way he's been playing. He's in a really great system right now with Andy Reid. It looks like they're going to continue to give him weapons on offense. Um, like they just drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire this year. It looks like they'll probably keep continue to draft offensive talent for him. Hopefully they do. Um, but yeah, he's definitely on his way. It's just going to be hard to keep it up for as long as Brady has, but he definitely has a chance. Yeah, it's going to be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't like questions like these, but Ed, I love this. I'm going to answer it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mahomes can at at some point down the road, uh, of course. I mean, the guy's accomplishing so much already at a young age. He, he's just going to keep accomplishing stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be bumps in the road. Like at some point, you have to expect Mahomes is going to have a different head coach. Like, I don't, I don't think Reed's going to be his coach his entire career. And, and Brady had Belichick. There was never, all right, new scheme, new, you know, new. So that was just continuous. Let's just keep getting to know each other better, better, better. At some point, Mahomes is going to have a new guy to, you know, learn from and, and get used to. And whatever, whenever that happens, it's going to be an, it's going to be an adjustment. So I'm just the trajectory. And at some point, these careers are not going to be the exact same. And, and, Mahomes is going to have to overcome quite a bit at some point. So it's just going to be um, an interesting to, to really watch what unfolds for Mahomes. It'll be different because with Mahomes, it's kind of like, you know, and I, it's funny because Talon, you bring up the fact that you don't like these type of questions. I have to throw in at least one or two clickbait questions. You, this may be the last time, <laughs> you know, I have, to, I have to throw it in there. This may be the last time you get Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes against each other. So you kind of have to say it, but uh, you do make a very good point about Andy Reid may not be his head coach moving forward, maybe after five or 10 years. I, I, I got to remember uh, the length of Andy Reid's contract. That's a very good point, and that could be a determining factor in regards to what happens with Mahomes and, and the uh, trajectory of his career because that relationship with the head coach and quarterback is such an, is such an underrated relationship. You talk about all the great teams in history – uh, going back to the 49ers and and what they have with Montana and you know it's 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 such an important thing and I, I do think that is going to be the determining factor. But if you had to ask for my opinion, I think he's going to tie him. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think he may tie him if we have to be going off six titles. You know, I don't think it's going to take nine tries to get the six titles, but I feel like. He'll tie him, and, and then I'll be in, and then Andy Reid will, will retire. That's just my opinion. We're, we're just doing, like I said, this was a clickbait question. This is, we're looking into a crystal ball of things that may not happen, but uh, it's always fun to think about. Um, guys, last thoughts uh, heading into this game. I, I know we already made our predictions, but any last thoughts, anything you feel like needs to be thrown out there from what happened this past week with the Chiefs? Uh, Mitch, I'm going to ask with you. I think it's just going to take the Chiefs their best game. Tampa Bay is a really good team. I know they lost last week to the Rams, but the Chiefs are going to have to be at the top of their game if they're going to win, if they want to win out this season and, you know, ha have a chance at that number one seed. So hopefully they come out and they come out to play. Yeah, I think Tampa Bay is is about to give the Chiefs a really stiff right upper hook, uh, and, and hopefully the Chiefs can respond and, and answer. But, <coughs> excuse me, uh, this is the last game for the Buccaneers as they enter their bye week. They're on the ropes. Like you know, they need to stay close enough to the Saints. They're they're in a tough NFC uh, playoff battle. So the Chiefs better be prepared for a team that is kind of have their backs to the wall and is going to throw a heck of a punch. So so the Chiefs better have a a heck of a counter move. This is very true. And like I said, you know, at the end of the day, 
we're looking forward to a great game. We've been thankful for a great first half of the season. And we hope everyone is enjoying their holiday weekend and listening to this on the day it debuts on Thursday, which will be Thanksgiving. So I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving, enjoy the football, and then prepare for the Chiefs this Sunday. So until next week, I got Mitch Carney, Talon Graff. Guys, enjoy your holidays as well. All right, you too, guys. Now it's time for a look back at some of the sound from the press conferences this past week. Hey, Patrick, uh, can you take us through that final drive? Um, you, you got to third down, I think, once and a second down only twice. Did that pretty much go the way you guys planned it? And, Brad, I'll have one quick follow-up. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the guys executed well. We were able to make plays happen. The only time that we, we didn't make a play is when I didn't pick up a protection when they brought a little fire zone pressure. And so uh, – uh, that, uh, like, that's a good football team, and I think guys just stepped up whenever their number was called and made plays. Um, and also, um, I mean, obviously you're thinking touchdown there the whole time, but does that take a little pressure off you when you get into field goal range when you're down three, knowing that you have at least that in your back pocket? Uh, you, you don't have to force anything at that point? I think there's steps. I mean, uh, the first step is trying to get in the field goal range. I mean, uh, knowing that's three-point game, uh, you want to make sure that you're executing the offense, moving the ball down the field, and uh, giving Harrison the chance to tie the game. And then once we got in the field goal range and we still had time left, uh, uh, I knew that I, I was going to hope that we had a couple shots at the end zone and, and we were able to find uh, Kelsey on that last one, and, and he made a big play. Go next to Sam McDowell. Good, Sam. Hey, Patrick, I'm just wondering, um, when you see that the Raiders score the go-ahead touchdown, what, what's kind of the first thing that enters your mind? I mean, I know what the objective is there, but what, what are you thinking at that point? Uh, that we're going to score. I, I just didn't know if it was going to be overtime or we were going to win it. Go next to Pete Sweeney. Go Pete. Hey, Patrick, congratulations on the win. Um, beginning of last year, we had kind of joked about like McColl and, and not running and you being out of structure. And it, and it sort of seems like since that moment, the entire team has adapted to you and, and the different things that you can do for, that are out of structure. Just how has that happened over the course of time? And how does it help you guys in moments like this, especially when Kelsey's adjusting to sort of um, where he thinks you're going with the football? Yeah, I mean, it's big time. I mean, uh, to be able to execute the first play and then they talk about being able to execute the second play as well. I mean, uh, guys, when I scramble, they get to their landmarks, they get in my vision, and uh, I try to give them uh, chances to make plays. And it's a huge part of our offense, and uh, it's something that we work on in the offseason. And I think we've built chemistry with bringing the same guys back uh, year in and year out, and Beach does a good job of that, and so that we know where, where each other is on that football field. Go next to Herbie T.O.B. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Patrick, uh, Travis tells us his play was called slot machine, right? And uh, as a guy who's mastered the underhand throw, uh, how would you evaluate Kelsey's uh, execution of that play? I, th I thought he did a good job. I mean, he was able to sell it, uh, get the underhand throw on that inside shoulder and, and give Pringle a chance. We actually had a design to be a little tighter. <laughs> and so I think if we'd, have, if we'd have been able to get it a little tighter, we'd have got that, we'd have got that touchdown. But uh, uh, it, it, was, it was sweet. I, I was even open a little bit in, in the flats if, if he wanted to sling it out there as well. Next to Vahe Gregorian. Good, Vahe. Hey, Patrick. I'm sorry if you answered this. I, I, I had something else in my ear, but I, I wonder if you could just try to uh, describe your relationship with Patrick, uh, with Travis, the way that you guys seem to just have an intuitive knowledge of, of each other in, in these key moments. I, I know you've described it many times, but it seems like there's something really special there. Yeah, I think he's, he has a great understanding of not only zone uh, zone and man coverages and how to get himself open, but how to be on the quarterback's timing. And I, I think that comes from him playing the quarterback position and him uh, uh, having the years and the experience. And I think you're starting to see that with guys like Tyreek as well. And so uh, if, if, if we can just keep evolving and keep getting better and better year in and year out and game by game, uh, we'll be a hard offense to stop. Go next to Aaron Ladd. Go ahead, Aaron. I told us he felt a little more tension in the stadium this week. Be honest. I mean, you had to get this one. You, you wanted to beat your rival. Was there a little extra juice this week? Yeah, I mean, there was no doubt we wanted to win. And I think the guys came to play. And, uh, I mean, like I said, that's a great football team. Uh, teams uh, beat a lot of good football teams, in, including ourselves. And uh, we had we needed everything we had to, to win this football game. And uh, we have a, a great, great football team coming up this next week. So we're excited for the challenge this next week and moving on to that one. Got time for a couple more. We'll go Darren and then Nate. Go ahead, Darren. 
Hey, Patrick, a, a cu- couple of things. What was, was there some miscommunication between you and DeMarcus uh, towards the end of the half where you had your interception? Because uh, I know you all didn't cover the spread tonight for someone who who, who, who <laughs> words about that. Um, and then also, you know, more seriousness, you all had 10 penalties tonight for 89 yards, a couple of personal fouls. Uh, how do you all clean that up before your next big game next Sunday against Tampa Bay? Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, uh, the one with, D- with D-Rob, uh, it was kind of a miscommunication on mine and his part. We, we, we allowed a lot of freedom in this offense, and so I was thinking he was going to come back to me, but he felt the pressure of the guy on the outside, and so he brought it back inside. And so we just have to be on the same page, and we can make that completion happen, and we've done it several times before. So that's something you work on in practice, and, and obviously didn't want to throw that interception at that point when we already had points on the board. And then uh, to the – ask your second – what's your second question again? Uh, my question was about the penalties. You all had 10 penalties tonight, a couple of them were personal fouls. How do you make sure that you all clean that up so it doesn't cost you, you know, next week's game against the Tampa Bay Bucks? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fine line. I mean, you want guys to play with emotion. You want guys to play hard through the whistle. Um, but you, but at the same time, you can't be getting those penalties in the crucial situations. And so uh, I think Coach Reed does a good job of guys letting guys' personality show, and I think we hold each other accountable. And, and when guys get unsportsmanlike penalties and, and whatever that, that is, uh, they, hold the, they hold themselves accountable, and they know they don't want to hurt the team. And so uh, it's something that I, I'm going to let guys be who they are, and, and they'll hold each other accountable, and we'll, and we'll hold each other accountable. The last to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Patrick, I have two questions as well. My first is, on a last-minute drive like this, do you internally speed up your mind, speed up your clock, or do you try to keep it the same or actually slow it down because, you know, the action can be so frantic? And then Brad, I'll have a second. Yeah, uh, I, I think it, it, you just be who you are. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you just go about the process of moving the ball down the field. You have to know when you can go over the middle and take completions. You have to know when you need to try to get to the sideline. Uh, and you have to know when to take your shots and when to take the checkdowns. And so uh, – uh, we've been put in these situations before. Coach Reed puts, it, puts us in these situations at practice so that we're ready to go whenever we're presented them. Presented them. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a thing where I have the ultimate confidence in this offense that if we have time on that clock, we're going to find a way to, to, to score some points. And lastly, uh, we know it feels good, honestly, when you, when you throw the touchdown to Travis, but can you just take us through what the feeling is when the ball leaves your hand and you know he's that wide open? Yeah, I mean, I uh, it, it was a play where I was looking at Tyreek, and I was actually, even when I scrambled out to the right, I was going to look back over at Tyreek again, thinking that he might have, have won against his matchup. And uh, I saw the, the safety was running at me, uh, like like I was going to run the ball, and I saw Travis wide open in the end zone. So I just I just tried to put it on him as quick as possible. I knew, uh, I knew that, w- that was the game winner. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm-hmm.